Hello and welcome back to Cooking the Books with me, Jilly Smith, the podcast which takes us through four food moments from the books of our favourite A-lister food writers. It's a podcast about life, culture and politics all through the prism of food. And this year I'm joining the Food FM family, the online radio station changing the world through food. Check out its programmes with Arthur Potts Dawson, the chef, sustainability campaigner and TED Talk speaker, and Ruth Rogers in conversation with her River Cafe regulars from Nigella and Al Gore to Jude Law and Jeff Goldblum, plus all sorts of other writers and experts changing the way we think about food and drink. You can find all of us at foodfmradio.com and you can find Cooking the Books as you always found it wherever you find your podcasts. This week we start the new year with Ital Food, the food of the Rastafarian movement with the Flavour Brothers, Craig and Sean McEnough. Their Caribbean recipes inspired by their Jamaican grandmother are all about traditional values, family, morals and community purpose. And it was at her house in Croydon that they started filming their YouTube videos. They got a million views in a week. But as they explored more about their heritage, they found that Ital food had so much to add to the growth of veganism. The Rastafarian Ital movement um, as one of the pioneers of the vegan plant-based diet. Because, you know, they don't really spoken about as much um, as they should be. Like plant-based food, plant-based diet is very popular at the moment. But the Rastafarians and the ITAL movement has been, you know, going on for decades. Their latest book, Natural Flavour, is all about the quick and easy plant-based recipes that they found in Jamaica. But as Sean told me, their first book wasn't quite so quick or easy. Yep, Caribbean recipe from home. We did it all ourselves. I mean, my brother's a designer, an amazing designer. He designed the book. I love creating recipes. And we had a wedding photographer called Ayo, who'd never, never done food before, never done food photography, but it was just good on the camera. And we just got, we got together in our nan's kitchen, creating amazing recipes from home and just taking amazing shots as well. And it's something that our followers loved and wanted because we, we, we never thought of a book. I mean, our journey is kind of based on our followers, what they want. They've been on the same journey with us and they wanted a book. And we created a crowdfunding campaign with Kickstarter, um, many of you might know, and we, which will give you rewards for um, you know, giving money. So if, it, if they donate £20 to get a book or we'll give like cooking lessons... And yeah, it was an amazing experience, you know, amazing experience. It's a fantastic idea. And I'm, I'm so many people who listen to Cooking the Books will be, you know, food writers themselves, they're bloggers, they're, they're content creators, and they'll be thinking, I want to do a book. How much does it cost? I mean, we raised £14,000. That probably wasn't enough. We probably had to use, we use a lot of our own money as well. Um, production costs, you know, promotion, advertising. There's a lot that goes into it, to be honest. You did say it was tough. It was very tough. Would you recommend it? I would recommend it because, you know, we learnt so much. Yeah. It, was, it was never going to be rosy. These situations never rosy. You know, what you go through, hardships, you learn from it and you come out a better person. And you used your social media skills really to max that out. And then, of course, Bloomsbury come running and now you're on your second book. And it's publication week. Yeah. How does that feel, your second book with Bloomsbury? Craig? Yeah, it feels fantastic. Um, it feels like, you know, a bit surreal, you know, with everything that's happening at the moment. Um, but, yeah, it's all exciting. You know, it's about 18 months in the making. Uh, you know, f- food, photography during the pandemic, you know, stop, start, stop, start. But finally it's here. And, yeah, we're very excited. The theme of what you do is very much about traditional family values. It's about 
the food from your home. Now that is the food from your community and it's the food from your heritage. You were brought up in South London. You were very inspired by your grandmother's food. You talk about a lot about your grandmother going to the markets in South London, in Peckham and Eaton, Streatham and Brixton and East Street. And, you know, you, you've been around Caribbean food for a very long time. But it was only with the first Bloomsbury book, Original Flavour, that you actually went to Jamaica. What have you done with this book that's that's enhancing the story of all that? So basically, um, Caribbean Recipe from Home, Original Flavour, um, first published book from Bloomsbury. That was actually my first trip to Jamaica. I believe it was Craig's second or third, was it? Craig? It was my second second trip. Second trip. But even though it was my first trip to Jamaica, it felt like I was been there for years. Just because of my connection with the food from mother and grandmother, you know, teaching us all those years about ackee and saltfish, fried dumpling, you know, all the amazing flavours. So when I, when I got there, it just felt like home, you know, seeing all the people, obviously seeing family as well. And, you know, you have to just big up Bloomsbury as well for, for giving us the opportunity to, to go to, back to Jamaica for a month and connect with the people connect with um, the markets, Coronation Market in um, Kingston was an amazing experience, you know, hustle and bustle, the fresh fruits and veg, you know, and even fresher because it comes from Jamaica, falling from the trees, avocados, pumpkins, it was so, so delightful. Yeah, I mean, you use that word connect and it's so important. I mean, I use it a lot in this series. I really, really believe that part of the answer to eating more healthily and saving the planet is about really getting your roots back, finding out your culinary heritage. That's what you're all about, isn't it? You know, using your food from home and then going back to Jamaica and finding something much deeper. You really dug down into the Rastafarian, the Ital approach to food. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think, you know, we wanted to pay homage to the Rastafarian Ital movement um, as one of the pioneers of the vegan plant-based diet because, you know, they don't really spoken about as much um, as they should be. Like plant-based food, plant-based diet is very popular at the moment. But the Rastafarians and the ITAL movement has been, you know, going on for, for decades. You know what I'm saying? So we just want to pay homage to that, obviously, where we're from, Jamaica. And when we went there for our first book, we linked up with our uncle called Uncle Barrington. And he's a Rastafarian herbalist who uses natural remedies natural, natural, natural ingredients to help um, <laughs> get the branding in there sure flavors yeah to help <laughs> to help aid people's um you know whether it's sickness or um certain vulnerabilities in their body um and their mind so we connected with him and he's like taught us about and showed us about different remedies that he uses natural ingredients herbs that are good for certain things it's like just seeing how you can have a combination of different um, dishes onto one plate that's what I tell um, diet is uh, mostly comprised of um, a lot of soups as well a lot of stews so we were very inspired by that and we felt you know connected to them and wanted to pay um, you know that honour to, to them through this book as well yeah, and it's and it's so important, isn't it? Because that's where the roots really come from. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about roots into the earth. Um, I tell food is it's largely organic. It's often grown at home, as many people started doing, particularly in lockdown. But it's also a spiritual connection with the earth, isn't it? And understanding that food nourishes, heals body, mind and soul, which taps 
fantastically into the whole story about climate change. It taps into the whole story about health. We know that a lot of ethnic communities have type 2 diabetes, for example, and obesity issues. You know, nourishing yourself with a, an ITAL diet or a vegan diet really can offer a really good approach to some of these underlying health conditions. Absolutely, Julie. I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there with, um, you know, I mean, our culture, high in um, diabetes and blood pressure. I think that's one of the reasons why we actually want to do this. Because our mother is actually a fully vegan now. Um, on the back of our experiences, she had um, type 2 diabetes, which is completely eradicated now, through vegan diets, eating vegetables, eating fresh fruits. So so I think it's really important, very important for for us as, as advocates to kind of promote health. You know what I mean? I feel, I feel that was our duty to do that for our followers. Good for you. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm re- right behind you. I've heard lots and lots of stuff about ITAL approach to food during mm. lockdown. Fascinating. Let's let's put some colour and, and texture to it. Let's go into your first food moment. Um, traditionally, a lot of the soups in, in Jamaican food are terribly meaty. But you've chosen to, as your first food moment, a, a red pea yeah, soup yes. from the streets of Jamaica. Tell us yeah. about this one. Craig. So red pea soup is traditionally with um, discarded parts of 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 the meat of an animal um usually like pigtails and stuff like that turkey and like leg, turkey leg, leg and um a lot of be- beef um is predominantly used in like the base of of, of the flavor of that however there is a, a known vegan version um that has really been prominent over the last couple of years and um honestly people actually prefer it um so nowadays a lot of caribbean people are used to definitely um, the veganized versions of soups, um, and so, a lot of people do prefer it. And red pea soup is definitely one of the most popular ones um, out at the moment. But it was definitely traditionally meat. A lot of the soups were traditionally meat as well. Uh, you know, chicken pumpkin soup. Um, you even got like cow. What's it called again, Sean? Um, Manish water. Manish water, which is w- used predominantly from goat meat. Um, however, goat testicles or something. Yeah, and all of that is very yeah. disgusting. But um, yeah, the but modern modern Caribbean person they prefer um, the more leaner, vegetable based, um, because that's yeah. what the soups are all about. It's it's comprised of so much fresh vegetables. It's fantastic during flu season. You know, there's a lot of fresh ginger in there as well. So yeah. yeah. I think Craig, yeah, sorry, that's cutting in. What Craig was saying, um, I think generally without meat, it's already full of an array of hearty stuff already. Mm. So like your pumpkins, your hard food, your beans. So there's a lot of protein already in there, a lot of fibre, which kind of fills you up already. What does your grandmother, or do you both your grandmothers say when you start taking the meat out? I mean, I know your mother went vegan because of her type 2 diabetes, but what do your grandmothers say? A grandma, a nanny, nanny, man. You know, nanny is amazing. She's the reason why we started the original flavor. She's a fundamental, fundamental part of our business. And people love her more than us. <laughs> when, we, when we post up about her, she, she gets more comments than us, so, which is great. So, um, <laughs> nanny, yeah, she's so... Nanny welcomes new things, which is great. You know, we, there's a time we made a, a vegan recipe called Planting Hummus, and we gave it to her. And she's, she doesn't understand about the whole vegan lifestyle. She thought it was some kind of religion. But she's quite, like, acceptable to new things. Um, she, she doesn't she's really cool. complain about it. If it, if it. Yeah, she's cool. If it tastes good, 
She's all for it. But your second food moment, you are really, you know, going close to the mark by taking the meat out of jerk. Um, jerk is traditionally well, it's about jerk chicken, but you're saying that you can jerk anything. Tell us about the jerk seasonings that are fundamental to Caribbean cooking. Yeah, jerk is a process. Um, obviously, the most popular um, processed method is using chicken. However, essentially, jerk is a process. A jerk of of the smoking of the pimento wood um, and fragrant, and that fragrance from the pimento wood then touching onto the the the, the, the chicken and grilling it um, on pimento wood. So. That is, and obviously the marinating of the different ingredients such as onions, spring onions, um, garlic, etc., etc., sugar, to make the jerk marinade. So jerk isn't just necessary just for one type of of of, of, of food category. It can be Port used Moore, for yeah, anything. Port- so there's a, a a festival in in Jamaica, Portmore Jerk Festival, and they jerk everything. They jerk fruit. They fruit jerk veg. They jerk, obviously, lots of meats, but they jerk yeah. everything. It, it came from a group in, in West Africa, and the Maroons, who used it to preserve their meat. That was essentially what it was for, for, for sure. But then, obviously, people began to love the actual taste of the, the marinade as well. So it makes sense to marinate it onto vegetables as well. And that's what we're all about, you know. We're all about flavouring our vegetables as well, the same way how we flavour <laughs> our meats. A lot of what you write about is is all about family, isn't it? Now you've both got your own families since this whole journey began. Raising kids now, that I mean, how much do you get them to sit around the table and talk to them about food and tradition? Um, because, you know, as a culture... We have lost that. You know, most people don't sit around a, a dining room table anymore. They don't talk to their, their family about food. They don't feel that they have a food culture to pass on. I mean, how much importance do you lay at that table? I think everything, really. I mean, food's so, so fundamental in, in our lives. It brought families together and we want to kind of carry the same, um, you know, vision and ethos that our family brought down onto our kids as well. So... Dinner time is, a, is an important time. Everyone around the table. I mean, my son Leo, I'm, I've got him in cooking already. He's all, whenever I'm in the kitchen and cooking, I bring him with me. He's watching what I'm doing. I'm teaching him about fruit and vegetables. He understands, and he understands that his, his dad and his uncle are involved in food because just because of our books, he sees us on the front cover. He loves it. He's always saying, Uncle Craig, my daddy. Picking up the, it's funny, you know, because even last night, he was holding our book. <laughs> he, he didn't want to go to sleep without it. He's only two. He's yeah. only two as well. Two years yeah. old. Gorgeous. Oh, how gorgeous. And Craig, you've got twin girls. Yeah. And you're already showing them what food can do in other ways. You're making avocado oils for their hair. Yeah. So food is nourishing on every single level. Definitely, definitely. Exactly. My wife, you know, she's, um, you know, great. Does their hair every Sunday. I help out as well now, which is quite cool. You know, being raised with... I've got two brothers, like my brother here, Sean, and I've got another brother called Lewis, you know, so I wasn't used to the whole hair thing and stuff. Obviously, I saw my mum do it. So now that I have two girls, you know, I have to, you know, help wash it and help to style it, you know. Afro-Caribbean hair is such a, a, a amazing thing, so I, I love it. So my wife has these, you know, natural conditioners. So we get, like, an aloe vera from my nan, so my nan has an amazing, a beautiful um, front garden, which has like, an yeah. array of many plants. 
including aloe vera, every plant you can think of, honestly, it's there. And that's prominent in a lot of Caribbean grandmothers' homes as well. They have a garden full of plants. So, yeah, we take them. Um, nan just gives it to us. She wants to give, give them away, to be honest. So, yeah, she gives it to us. And my nan, my, my wife just puts it into, like, an av- avocado with avocado and some castor oil. Um, and she mixes it together. I'm sure some other things as well, but it's in the book. But yeah, and puts it in the girl's hair and it smells fantastic. It helps for growth. Yeah, I love it. It's natural. Um, we do that a lot in our community, whether that's essential oils um, in our hair, in our skin as well. And that's, you know, that's going back centuries, you know what I'm saying, to our um, forefathers and that they, they use a lot of natural. Um, again, going back to Itaal movement as well. Yeah. Straight mm. out of that, yeah. And that sitting around the table talking about it all is very much about your third food moment, the rum cake. So in the Caribbean community, rum cake is eaten during the festive period, which we're just out of. Well, you still eat it at weddings, though, don't you? Yeah, I mean, when we were growing up, when we were younger, it was at every wedding. <laughs> but with icing as well, you have like a layer of icing on top as well, <laughs> just to make the indulgement any better. Um, yeah, yeah, very prominent. You know, so, the soaking of the fruits, you know, the cinnamon, the nutmeg, the flavours, the spice—you could smell it from a mile away. And it was something yeah. that was at our nan's house at every Christmas. With yeah. a bit of sorrel, sorrel as well. Yeah. That's in our new Lovely. book. We've got sorrel and rum cake in our new books, which is yeah. veganised. So yes, exactly. So you've taken the eggs <laughs> out. So, so what have you put? How have you replaced that? You use like apple sauce in it, bro. Apple sauce, flax seeds. Um, as as a as a binding agent, tastes just just even better. Like yeah, yeah. it does. Tastes tastes like, the no guilt, <laughs> lighter, lighter on the belly after Christmas. Still lots of sugar though. <laughs> <laughs> You've played a lot with veganising Jamaica's national dishes. We've talked about jerk. What about ackee and saltfish? How do you veganise ackee and saltfish? That's your fourth <laughs> food moment. Yeah, so we we just use cabbage. Um, there's a lot of different ways to veganise. The, 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 the Akin Saltfish National Dish of Jamaica. But in our book, we've done um, Akin Cabbage because the uh, cabbage is can be quite flaky. It has a certain silkiness to it, which is similar to to to, to, to saltfish as well. Also, the look of it as well it has like a whitish appearance as well. So, And it, and it, and it really complements yeah. well with the Aki as well and the flavours and the seasons and the spices. So we have veganised mm. Akin Saltfish for sure. Yeah thing that you've done in your book is you know you've taken a lot of food that's passed into british culture i I mean diversity through immigration has transformed british food culture we eat in a totally different way now to the way we did even 20 years ago particularly in the last i think five to ten years it's the stories of that immigrant food culture that has really made it and that comes through street food and and markets are full of stories and people like you taking to social media telling your stories of your grandmother but but what you've done in the book is really interesting because you've taken other immigrant food so you've taken ramen and you've flavored it up you've taken bolognese and you've flavored it up you've even taken bangers and mash and you've (laughs) flavored it up and all in a vegan way i mean you know is that what your cooking in your community in South London. Are you doing all of these different immigrant stories on the plate, but in your own particular style? Absolutely. Jamaica's motto is out of many one people. And Jamaica's taken a lot of influence from different cultures, Chinese, Japanese, Indian, with the curries and the spices. 
you know, African with the um, one-pot meals, you know, the stews. So, you know, we've kind of taken that on in our own kind of recipes on our social media with our followers. We've got so much different recipes. I mean, we combined a lot of British stuff as well. I mean, we grew up, we're British ourselves. I mean, even we kind of combined a lot of fusions. So we've got Caribbean breakfast, British breakfast, where we combine like Akin cabbage with beans and mushrooms. And we've got like a a, a lentil shepherd's pie. Um, As I said, bangers and mash, which where we kind of... Made it like a brown stew bangers and mash with the Caribbean. It's very nice. And just with a planting mash as well. So nice, so nice. So we're all about that. All about connecting different yeah. cultures together. Bringing people together for food. That's what we're all about. Food brings people together. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you compare British food culture to something like Italian, which is so unchanged over hundreds and hundreds of years. And ours is constantly evolving because we're much more... I think probably much more open to immigration and stories about food. That's what we love in Britain. But I was talking to, I I make a a, a podcast called Right to Food for the Food Foundation. It's all about food insecurity, food poverty. And I talked to our young food ambassadors about how to eat healthily on a very, very low income. One of them said the other day, we don't know what British food looks like. You know, we know all the components. We know we should be eating some protein and carbohydrate and, you know, fruit and vegetables. But we don't know what it looks like. There's no picture on the front of the jigsaw puzzle. On the one hand, I would say that by putting lots of these different cultures into the mix, you're teaching people how to cook their own food and then adding a bit of this and a few influences here and a few influences there, which gives us a much better set of cooking skills. But the reality is that most people are not able to cook. And I wonder what you think about that. Confusion or is it fusion? I, I would agree with you at the first part of that. There isn't really like a, a, a British face, you know, what would be the front cover of that puzzle. Um, Britain is has been an influence and inspired by a, a range of different countries, you know, influences from everywhere. Um, you know, from the Commonwealth to everything, to the World War, to even even slavery. So the, it is kind of hard to say like this is British food. However, you know, I think you're looking at more of like methods, potentially certain, you know, um, homegrown foods. Britain is a great um, gr- growing um, country in terms of even wines as well. Um, I went to a vineyard the other day and it's just like a great, in terms of not too hot, not too cold. So there's certain seasons in Britain that's great for growing vegetables and stuff like that. So Yeah, it is, Craig. But mm. but the reality is that black mm. children are now twice as likely to be growing mm. up poor as mm. white children. There was a piece in The Guardian, um, I think, yesterday, saying that the proportion of black children living in poverty went up from 42% in 2010 to 2011 to 53% mm. in 2019 to 2020. Mm. Which is extraordinary. And we do know there's a massive amount of children growing up in food insecurity. Mm -hmm. Let's go to your community in South London. What are children eating? Are they eating vegan Caribbean food or are they eating McDonald's? I think most of them are eating chicken and chips (laughs) (laughs) at the shop, to be fair. What influence do you think you guys can have in your own community to to turn kids from those chicken and chip bars towards 
Ital food towards the flavours from a lot of their own heritage to get interested in veganism and to connect food with nourishment and growing and health. What do you think, Sean? I think through our videos. I mean, I think we're already connected with a lot of youngsters already. We've got a lot of youngsters. Um, the parents come up to us saying, oh, the kids love watching us on YouTube and, you know, just the way that we make recipes easy. And we've, we started like an internship last year, actually. We're, t- we're taking on three 11 to 16-year-old kids at our studio, you know, kind of the teaching them um, about editing, food styling, what we've learned over the years to give them that, that foundation and that platform to kind of go on to something that they love. We, we've got planned to do kids' books as well, get them involved in cooking. And, yeah, just to help the next generation where we didn't really get that support when we were younger. With um, Afro-Caribbean and black, with black children, I think they're a lot more aware about the importance of nutrition in foods and because they they have such a strong family unit in the kitchen, our mothers and grandmothers often tell them why they have to have certain foods. So I feel there's definitely like a, a much more of a knowledge of food and nutrition in the Caribbean, um, our Caribbean community for sure. So I think, I know Sean was joking there about the chicken and chips thing, but I think as you kind of go on in the years, you don't really see as much um, the Caribbean people eating that as as they go later in life, maybe like late teens, early 20s, they don't really eat as much those things and I think there's a lot more knowledge about the foods in, in, in our community for sure I think we've seen that as well when we've gone into schools like local com- schools in the community where we've kind of done double sessions at schools and given presentations the kids love cooking love cooking homegrown food and are very familiar with it as well Thanks for listening. Please get in touch with me on social media. I'm at Cooking the Books with Jilly Smith on Instagram and at Jilly Smith on Twitter. And you can sign up for my newsletter at jillysmith.com to find out more about the Cooking the Books Supper Club at my house. And I'll be back next week with recipes from the Bangladesh kitchen of Sayura Hamilton. I'll see you then. <laughs>